0: Ziplining across a vast valley. Roasting s'mores beside the lake. Whitewater rafting. Relaxing beside an ocean view pool. Well, trying to at least. There are lots of great things to dream about doing in South Carolina. So when you're ready to visit, South Carolina is ready to make those dreams a reality. From a classic road trip to a relaxing weekend getaway, South Carolina is open for discovery. Start planning today at DiscoverSouthCarolina.com. Curling fans, as America's best curling teams prepare to compete on the world stage, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson. Get ready for everything that you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, anything involving Team USA forming and the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea for Team USA curling is found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson and the 12th In Sports Network crew powered by Isagenix. Week two of the Olympic Games officially underway as we are
1: coming down the wire here in the round-robin competition of the 2018 Winter Olympic Games and the curling round-robin. In Pyeongchang, actually, that would be Gangnam Curling Center, Price Atkinson, Joe Calabrese, and joining us today, Jerry Gertz, President and CEO of Curling Zone, as we have a whole lot to get into, but let's just go ahead... Right off the bat, we'll tell you we're going to get into the women's side. We're going to get into the men's side of things. We're going to get into some things that happen on and off the ice that are making news that happened over the weekend and uh, through uh, into today that is making headlines around the sport, guys. And, you know, before anything else, shout-out Matt Hamilton. What a way to celebrate his birthday. Joe, Elise, shout-outs to you guys. New careers as singer-songwriters is (laughs) you guys pin a new song. It ain't Skip's fault.
2: Yeah. Uh, quickly break that down. My <laughs> wife and I are driving home one day and we hear the uh, brothers at Osborne. It ain't my fault. And I say to her, boy, that would be a really great curling song. So we spent about two hours kind of putting it all together. And then we reached out to our buddy, Mark Mooney, who's a curler of uh, old ex teammate of mine. And he uh, laid down the vocals and the production and put it all together for us. And it's out on our uh, Facebook page. So if you're interested, check us out on 12th and sports, uh, uh, facebook page and you can check out that uh that song yeah it's a lot
1: of fun absolutely the 12th Inn sports network uh the extra extra in powered by isogenics again check that out on the 12th Inn sports network facebook and twitter pages at 12th Inn sports 12th Inn sports network on facebook and uh very well done brother very well done i didn't know you had uh, that kind of musical talent uh, jerry did you know um, that was hidden in mr calabrese because i did not I think that's the
3: opposite I
2: would have thought of Joe, but uh... <laughs> exactly. it's mostly my wife. My wife uh, <laughs> loves to sing in the car, loves to you know be musical, and uh, I just helped by writing down a few lines, and she kind of put it all together. It was uh, labor of love, and we all know that guy, right? That it's not his fault. Uh, that's sort of what we put it together. <laughs> thinking,
3: Jerry, what do you think? Yeah, I- that works out. You do know, you know what? That song's going to have to play over the the loudspeakers in, in at Shields Arena in Fargo. Uh, That's a great idea. Between games,
1: I, I think that might be some bumper music here on this podcast. You might hear a little bit later on, and I think if maybe if we plead and beg Jerry uh, enough that maybe Joe and Elise, Lisa might uh, do a Facebook Live version where they actually sing the song for us. Oh, that no. is what I really <laughs> want to see. <laughs>
2: No one wants to see that, Price. No one wants to see that.
1: All right. All right. Well, well done. Uh, It's awesome. Everybody check that out. It ain't Skip's fault. But it is our fault that we're coming to you here a little bit late. Had hoped to have one of these over the weekend. But so much that was happening, and as we were all juggling many different things, and as we come to you with episode 32 here, we have coming down the stretch in round-robin play, uh, at the Curling Center at the 2018 Winter Olympics. And we're basically sitting here like this. Let's talk on the women's side first, because what a day for the United States, guys. You know, humor us a little bit, Jerry, uh, before, especially before on the men's side, but we're going to talk women first, Is Nina Roth... In company, they get two big wins over Denmark, and then just thrash China ten to four. Get two wins yesterday, that being uh, Sunday over in South Korea. As now the women are in a tie for fourth place right now.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Nina's team is showing their strength out there. They're they're a good team. Uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise at all to anybody mm-hmm. uh, following the games. Um, they, they've had the talent. I think they showed at worlds last year, you know, that, that they have the game to beat a lot of the top teams and, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, they came close to beating Eve last year. They gave, uh, Rachel Holman a, a great game at worlds last year. And then this year they're turning around and they're, they're finishing some of those games off, mm-hmm. you know, that win against Eve Muirhead. Um, you know, this is a team to look out for. Uh, they're definitely going to be in for a tough match. Uh, I think last game of the round robin is against Sweden, but uh, they need to, you know, if they can grab another win and uh, they set themselves up for potential tiebreaker opportunity and maybe even straight in. Yeah. Joe,
2: boy, this team is a roller coaster of emotions for me, man. Every time uh, I think they're out, they come back in and um, they uh, are showing their metal. They're uh, quite the team. And they, they, they Game against China Day was just never in doubt. They just just pummeled them, and and that's a good sign. Um, you're kind of looking at the uh, shooting percentages uh, for the team, they're they're in the top half. Um, and sort of it, what you would expect, I guess, at this point. Um, they're they're really building, it seems like, to some success. And Jerry's right; they've got a couple co- uh, tough games coming up. Uh, Korea uh, tonight, and then the uh, game against Sweden at the end, and. Uh, but those are teams that are ahead of them and you know if they expect to be in the playoffs and do well they're going to have to beat these teams
3: yeah, it, yeah i think it's it's the type of game too they have they're you know they they like the draw game nina's strength is is putting rocks in play and and throwing that draw to save the team when she has to i think that style of play plays in well uh, against a team like korea who gets themselves into trouble with rocks in play and 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 the Swedes, they tend to play a little bit more of an open style of game. You know, Nina is a team that can give them some trouble. So, you know, it's I think it's what makes them strong is the style of play that uh, Nina has. And unfortunately, Joe, you were talking about you know sometimes they uh, they uh, you know kind of crash your hopes a little bit, but that can come with with their style. Yeah, you, know, you put high risk variance a little bit, and they get themselves they can get themselves into trouble, but get out of it as well
2: yeah they they put Nina in some spots sometimes and you know you're only going to be successful you know even at that level 85 percent of the time in those types of situations uh at, at the best the case scenario and sometimes this doesn't work out but like I said today they they just didn't even need Nina's draw they were just uh they were playing the hits and it was working for them
3: yeah the Chinese I watched some of that game and uh the Chinese sure looked a little tentative They, uh, you know, they tend to be uber aggressive with the corner guards. And even in the second end, after uh, Nina got three in the first, they were hitting the stones in the middle instead of using their corner guard they put up, which actually surprised me. Because in several previous games, it would be the case where team would go in, they'd throw a corner, team would guard, and then the Chinese would use their corner guard. Almost to, to the extreme aggressive type of play, yet against Nina's team, they They scaled that back a little bit, so i 'm not sure what was going on there
1: yeah as we uh, as we talk about the u s women 's team right now having won three out of their last four, the one they did not win, obviously was Rachel Holman who. Desperation. They get a th- uh, eleven to three win over the U.S. in a game that just simply put uh, Rachel and company they I mean, they had to have. I mean, they have got to scrap claw their way back into this, Jerry. But when you look at uh, the, the U.S. women's team right now, four and three again, they are tied with Great Britain for that fourth playoff spot with a game coming up. As we're coming to you here Monday, they've got a game coming up at twelve oh five midnight tonight slash Tuesday morning that one will be against korea who is 5 and 1 leading the way on the women's side korea having uh 3 games left japan sitting at 5 and 2 tied with sweden at 5 and 2 then great britain the united states rachel homan in sixth place 3 and 3 statistically jerry where is the strength for the us team playing right now
3: you know i haven't really uh considered uh you know, specifically player by player. Yeah. It seems like Becca Hamilton's playing really well with her lead stones. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it really just comes down to, you know, the style of play and how they match up. You know, when you talk about shooting percentages, I believe Rachel Homan's team was 0-3 and they were all at the top of the standings in shooting percentages. Yep. So, so, you know, you, you kind of take the, those numbers with a grain of salt and uh you know it it really comes down to making the right shots at the right time Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day you know when you make more shots you're going to tend to be at the top of the standings but you know i think i think with nina it's that thing that she's got that saver in her hand pretty much any time and she's confident to use it when she has to yeah and i think that's what really sets her up well the game against canada I think they just came out flat. Yeah. You know, they, I think they kind of saw an opportunity to, to, uh, you know, to knock out Canada and that first end was kind of set the tone where they missed a bunch of shots and, and then, uh, ended up giving up a steal of three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, that's, that, that's pretty much the end of the game when, when that happens and, and Holman's team, uh, you know, ran from there. Yeah. Well, it's no
1: surprise. I mean, where Nina is is sitting right now, tied for fourth because they finished fifth at the World Championships last year. They've had success on tour, Jerry. This is, you know, like John, a... a a more seasoned, battle-tested U.S. women's team that when adversity comes and when adversity hits, they have stood in and looked adversity in the eye and punched right back, and they're going to have to probably do that once or twice more to make the playoffs. But right now, you really can't ask for a better spot for Team Roth and the U.S. women.
3: Yeah, it's it, it's what their, you know, their preparation has been for the last uh, three or four years. I know this team has been together for two, but as athletes... You know, they've been out there on the road playing the big events, playing the best teams on tour and, and setting themselves up for this spot. You know, it's, it's the kind of situation where, you know, you suffer a setback, you know, if you haven't had the experience in the games against top teams, you know, your confidence isn't necessarily going to be there. Nina's mm-hmm. team won the major event in uh, Port of Prairie, uh, Manitoba. And, and, you know, that has to have given them some huge confidence. And, you know, they are out there on the ice and they know they because they've beaten a lot of these teams in the past. Yeah. So, you know, you're exactly right. You know, it, that confidence, that certainly helps with rebounding after tough losses, after tough ends even, too. That's the same type of thing. You know, how do you, how do you bounce back from adversity? Because that curling rock can be frustrating at times.
1: Joe, any final thoughts on the women's side before we uh, step away? And then we'll come back and talk about the men's competition.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm looking at uh, Tabitha Peterson, and Eileen Geving. I think it, you got to look at their shooting percentages. And when Tabitha has been in the mid to high 80s, they've been very successful as a team. And I think it, it goes to what Jerry's saying. If you can set up Nina with a pat to the forefoot, she's going to be pretty successful.
1: All right, we got a lot more to get into. Again, we're going to talk about the men's competition. John Schuster, a massive—I don't want to call—maybe epic is probably the way to put it. Having the U.S. never beaten Canada in the Olympics, men or women, it was a thriller in extra ends. That I had a hard time, frankly, going to bed for probably about an hour. I was—I think I was still shaking four hours later when I woke up at early this morning. But we're going to get into it also some controversy on off the ice that's coming up also as jerry gertz president ceo of curling zone joe calabrese my colleague 12th in sports network and myself price atkinson we will be right back here on the X Extra and Podcast
0: with the Fort Worth Sports Network. Power by Sid Blame the pebble on the curl. Blame the curl on the pebble. Blame the second hogstone on the lead. Having trouble. Blame the pick on the gripper. Blame the gripper for the pick. Said the lead throwing stones that just seem to stick. But it ain't still All right, we've long. talked
1: women. Now it's time to talk about the men. And uh, n- no other place to begin this discussion, guys. Jer- Joe, I don't want to get braggadocious, but I was beyond I almost woke my house up in the middle of the night at about 3 oh, I don't know about 10 after 3 eastern standard time this morning is a steely game gutty gritty effort by team Schuster to knock off Kevin Cooey in a game where right now uh, the U.S. having to basically scrap claw, win everything else to have a shot at the playoffs. They do it, beating Cooey in 11 ends, 9-7. to seven. And as I told somebody earlier, I think maybe the old John Schuster finds a way to crumble that U.S. did not. Tyler George and John, I mean, everybody had some their moments in this game. Tyler had some massive moments, but again, John makes that shot at the end for the win. What a game.
2: Yeah, it was something pretty special. I mean, you know, they came out firing uh, the uh, first end. They they had their opportunities for two. We kind of let them slip away. Um, but I think the third end was the key. I mean, they were down two to one. Schuster comes up, makes a big angle run uh, to get his two in the third. And uh, it kind of helped propel their confidence. I mean, the last few games, it seems like uh, the John has had some confidence difficulties. Um, they've been talking a lot in between every shot. It's been sort of their style, but I would say it's even more lately. Um, and this seemed to sort of uh, build this confidence during the game. And when it came to that extra end, oh boy, they whiskered that guard, but they made that shot.
1: Jerry, the dominance has been long. The dominance has been strong, but the ice breaks uh, with John pulling through. What are your thoughts on this game? Because it was a thriller. It was unbelievable down to the final shot, but some massive shots along the way.
3: Yeah, I think for Schuster, this is a huge win. And I think, uh, you know, he knows he can play with the best teams in the game. And, you know, you look at uh, what John has done against Nicholas Adin in the past. So that has to have given him some confidence and a rough one here this week against uh, the Swedes. But, you know, I, I think with John, a lot of it is just... Trying to overcome some of the ghosts of the past, mm-hmm. and you saw that post game in his interview where he got pretty emotional, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I feel for the guy a lot. You know, he loves this game so much, he puts so much into it, and, and he's a damn good player, too. Yeah, um, I think sometimes some of the, the issues in the past come with just <clears throat> maturity in the game, yep, not necessarily maturity as an individual, but just you know learning to read when and where to, 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 to make a play and to go for it and, you know, utilizing your, your teammates to the best of their abilities. And I think this team in front of John suits him very well mm-hmm. for style of play. He likes to be aggressive and put rocks in play and and, and kind of go for it a bit. And he's, he's put a lot, a, tr- a lot more trust into his teammates than he used to in the past. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I... This John Schuster is is much different than the 2014 and the 2010 version. And and it's good to see him get a win after a couple of games that, you know, that kind of slipped away and and especially getting this win because of that. Yeah. You know, it's it's been that thing where here we go again. And, you know, I, I, I really don't agree with that type of an analysis because yeah. this is a much different team. Mm-hmm. They've been on the podium. They've been uh, into the playoffs multiple times at the World. So, you know, they this is a good team. Yeah, And it's just a matter of whether they can kind of exercise some of those uh, past Olympic uh, ghosts.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Joe, the, you know, John right now sitting at three and four. They're in seventh place, but with it, when you look at the standings now, You've got, uh, believe what, eight of the ten teams that are basically two games apart. So it's really it's going to everybody's trying to scrap and claw to get in that top four to make the playoffs. But when you look at John's team, I mean, really, I mean, every I guess every team could say, well, if we had one shot here, one shot there, this game would be different. And so the complex, our, our you know, what we're looking at is our path to the playoff is different. But I mean, the, the game against Italy that the US lost ten to nine, that one was one I to me that that sticks with me is like golly just one or two right there i know jerry had mentioned earlier when we were talking uh the the loss to ulcerud eight to five that game against italy to me if if the u.s does not make the playoffs with great britain and switzerland coming to me that's the one i'm going to look at but nonetheless you look uh, jerry just mentioned john schuster of 2014 of 2010 he does not win that game against kevin cooey nine to seven
2: Yeah, you know, I've always, um, as the lead up to this event, I sort of thought that John Schuster's story would be a great 30 for 30 ESPN documentary. I mean, he's had the highs and the lows, and it probably feels like the whole weight of USA curling is on his back every time he makes the Olympics. And um, it's – it's different. I think when you're out there with the mics on, um, for the world to see, you know, every emotion, every reaction, um, you know, if you're in skiing, you're, you've got goggles and, yeah. and helmets, things covering you up and in curling, there's none of that. And, and you see the anguish and every missed shot and the celebrations on the, on the ones that go well. Um, like, you know, when, when they beat, Kuwait uh, uh, last night, I mean, um, it was uh, it was a great thing to see, and I certainly hope that he can get himself to 5-4 and four and somehow get into the mix of the, uh, some sort of tiebreaker because uh, it'd be, it would be a great story if, it, if they come out of this in the medal round.
1: Yeah, it, it really would. And, you know, as I told a reporter this morning, you know, I, that regardless of what happens, I mean, certainly the game against Canada, the U.S. will have a lot to hang their hat on. I, I just hope deep down that we can find another two wins, at least another one, but I'm not going to settle for just one more. I want to see this team clearly make the playoffs. I want to see both teams make the playoffs, but if something let's just say doesn't go our way and John falls in these last two and they finish the Olympics three and six, I don't know where that would ultimately put them in the standings But people would see that and say, oh, you know, it's the same old. You know what? No, it it has not been the same old, regardless of how this thing plays out, playoffs or not. This has been a much more competitive, a much more confident, a much more uh, mature and a much better U.S. men's team this time around.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. You know, you look at the field in general and it's it's an extremely deep field when uh, when you look at, uh, you know, the teams that they're competing against here that in itself says something when you when you put Schuster into the same category and yeah you know you've got Ulsrud, who is probably on the outside looking in you know I'm with with where they are in their career they're probably 6th 5th 6th 7th in this field yep. you got Great Britain um you know that's a team that hasn't had a very good season but since about uh, since the european championships they have been on fire mm mm-hmm. And so that's a team that's that's definitely been a threat, and and then of course at the top you've got uh, Adine, you've got Kui, and you've got De Cruz all playing very well. Um, and then you know the Japanese, you got Denmark, all solid uh, teams as well. And I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but uh, you know it's it, it's a tough field, yeah. and uh, you know they're part of that mix, 100. percent
2: and so the u s is going to have a bye the next round, mm-hmm. and so then uh, they'll get to Cruz and that to Cruz is somebody who sort of had john's number I mean wouldn't it be a, a great way to kind of get them in the mix as if somehow they can win that game oh wow, and uh, get themselves to yep. even and then you know, then they have a showdown at, at the end um to to get to five and four um, and, and give themselves a chance against Great Britain. And drop them to five and four. That would be, you know, if they were, to, if Great Britain were to win their next game.
1: What What do you think, guys? You mentioned the buy real quick before we get out the door and, and wrap up the men's talk because we're going to get off to some stuff that happened off and on the ice, controversy. But when you look at this next game against Switzerland. Is the buy a good thing coming off the win against Canada? Does that uh, does that maybe does that maybe kind of take out out of play being flat, having to come right back in that next game, knowing when you just played Canada, but you don't have that next game to play right after playing and beating Canada. You have a chance to kind of reset, think about things before you go back on the ice. Clearly, DeCruz and Benoit Schwartz and those guys have had a little bit of John's number, just like John has had a Dean's number uh, up until this Olympic Games. But does that buy help the U.S., Jerry?
3: I think so. I, you know, I, I agree with your analysis on that, and it happens in curling a lot. Yeah. You know, you go out and you get a huge win. You know, you're feeling good, and then the next game you come out flat. Mm-hmm. It, it happens all the time, and it's something that uh, you know the, that teams need to experience and and, and focus on. Mm -hmm. you know you have to forget about the previous game and you have to come out as hungry as you were in the in in the game that you managed to win so Mm -hmm. you know i think this is going to give them a chance get you know get out there get a break you know see some of the the sights in 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 uh pyeongchang a little bit there around the 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 coastal area looks like from photos that we've seen rich harmer is uh throwing (laughs) back lots of great stuff on uh on facebook and uh He's been uh, on the uh, Curling Zone Instagram account all week as well, and uh, yeah, it's it looks like it's a pretty neat experience over there.
1: Yeah, as we uh, as we turn the page now, make sure everybody, uh, Jerry Gertz, President CEO of Curling Zone, no doubt about it, uh, one of our favorites right here. Joe, check him out: CurlingZone.com. Scores, stats, articles, so much more online. Your home for the best curling coverage anywhere you can find. Also on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, been active. Certainly the entire Olympics, Jerry, you guys uh, just do a fantastic job. Uh, keep it up. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some things that have gone on on the ice and off, making headlines. And I know this is going to generate a juicy discussion, but we're going to get into it when we come back here on the Extra Extra Podcast podcast with the 12th and Sports Network, powered by Isogenics. All right, last segment here on the Extra Extraing Podcast. Got Jerry Gertz, President and CEO of Curling Zone, Joe Calabrese, myself, Price Atkinson. A lot to get into here. Final segment as this is going to generate some good discussion, and I can't wait because I've been looking forward to this ever since it went down. But let's before we talk about off-ice, let's go on. And Denmark, Canada, DuPont, Homan. At this point, it's a little bit old news, but it's still generating a whole lot of discussion, guys, in the – curling world about Rachel Holman pulling off that burned stone by Denmark. Um, you know, at the time, Holman desperate for a win. I'm of the belief, my personal opinion on it was that that was desperation. Where they were in the standings and trying to desperately get a win, that was more the impetus of pulling that stone off instead of uh, the gainsmanship, uh, sportsmanship, if you will, of placing it back where you thought it would have been. She horks it to the side. Karma back comes back to bite Canada and they get beaten 9-8 as they give up uh, uh, anyway regardless of how it transpired. They lose to Denmark 9-8 in extra ends. Just let's put it on the table guys. Joe, Jerry, your thoughts?
2: I guess I'll start because I think I know where Jerry sits on this but uh, I'm just not a fan of pulling that stone. Um, Agreed. I, I am... Of the opinion that, and obviously I'm not there, but the rock yeah. cert, from the video certainly looked as if, while they did touch it um, and they admitted it right away that it was not going to make much of a difference one way or the other. If, if Rachel just decided to to move a stone where she felt it would have gone, I think that that should have been sufficient in that case. Um, it, there was nothing about that stone that was going, I mean, obviously it was a, it was a freeze that would have put Rachel in a tough spot. And I think that that was a factor it, uh, again with, uh, her being 0-3 and, 3 and being, trying to, trying to, uh, maybe, th- I can't imagine the amount of pressure that they were under, um, However, I'm just not a fan. I just think it, that happens so often um, that in situations in any level mm-hmm. um, where you're not pulling that stone, I just feel like it, when you're in that spot, um, you can show what sportsmanship is about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't think that that was the case in that situation.
3: Jerry? Well, at the end of the day, Denmark broke a rule. Yep. Yes. It touched a yep. stone. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to burn stones. And at the end of the day, I think this whole discussion about about sportsmanship and the rules and all that, you know, I'm not sure the whole spirit of the game and sportsmanship and everything is really fair to the non-offending team in this situation. And that's my biggest issue that I have. And, you know, what if that rock was touched two feet earlier? What if it was touched six feet earlier? Yeah. You know, where's the line? A touchstone is a touchstone. And at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about competitive sport here. Yep. And at its highest you know, level. Exactly. And 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 I don't think it's fair to chastise the non offending team. And this comes up every time. John Schuster went through this in, in uh, was it 2016 yep. against Japan. Yep. Uh-huh. And he got crucified for it, which was bullshit. Yep. You know, it was not his fault. The Rock came bouncing off the boards. If there's, you know, and it was, you know, it was the, the opposition team who failed to corral their stones. And, and at the end of the day, something has to change. Mm-hmm. I think I think the WCF needs to look at this, and they need to change this rule to a point where the Rock comes off unless you know, it, it's a case where something actually improved the situation. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to write something about this in the next few days and, and kind of go go over this. And, you know, I, I think the ro- the rule should change to something like the rock, rock burned after the hog line should be allowed to come to rest and will be removed unless deemed to have benefited the non-offending team. Yeah. So So in this situation, the rock comes off unless the non-offending team chooses to fight for it.
2: I think that's and, probably a fair way to look at it, Jerry. I mean, it's, I, I agree that the non-offending team gets put in a rotten situation. I mean, this is a draw. If, if it's touched right before a stone is on a hit or something, you could argue that angles change in different ways. Um, I, I, guess I, I It's unfortunate, but in the, because of the way the rule is currently, you look at each individual situation, and I think in this individual situation, it was pretty clear that that rock wasn't doing much different than what it wound up doing.
3: But it was touched. <laughs> that I, doesn't I, I, It says I agree. nothing in the rules about that. And I no, understand I, I, the I, I, spirit I understand of the game and everything with that. And you know when you're playing in your club league and and, and, uh, and events at that level, it's it's just the problem is is there's just too much gray area when this happens. There's just too much sub- subjectivity to it and and then of course the team that is the non-offending team is sitting there having to make this decision you know i I don't think it's in the spirit of the game that the team who had who did nothing wrong is now the one being ripped apart and shredded by every every armchair curler with an opinion Yep. that that you know that that goes right there against the spirit of the game yeah and and so you know i think something seriously needs to change there and 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 it's a rule you go a millimeter over the hog line your rock is pulled all right you know there's so many other rules out there that are cut and dry in the same way going going two inches over the hog line doesn't change really has no effect to your end shot either and it's the same situation in in a burned stone like this all right, let me let me just bring this scenario up because
1: somebody on Twitter brought this one to my attention. I don't know if you guys saw this, but to, that, but mentioned to me that uh, in a game against uh, between Italy and Great Britain in the tenth end. Uh, Italy burned uh, a rock in that game and that um, great uh, the Scottish skip Kyle Smith talked with the teammates and officials. They watched the replay and then the Italian stone was put back a few inches from where it probably would have landed. Now, Italy down one with a hammer. Uh, the person says to me, sportsmanship could have cost Great Britain the game. Still the right thing to do in my opinion. Can't wait to hear the discussion on your next episode. Did you guys see that? Did you hear about that one?
3: I haven't seen it, but at the end of the day, it sort of falls into that same same, vein, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, question is, was this before or after the Holman rock pull? After. So, you know, they they may have seen what happened, and then, you know, they were kind of bullied into having to put it back because yeah. of the social media and, and, and what Holman ended up getting over this. At yeah. the end of the day, a rule is a rule. Yeah. And, you know, as a sweeper, don't touch the stones. Joe, final thoughts? Yeah,
2: well, I haven't seen it either, Um, and so I I don't want to comment too much on it. I I like the concept of what has what happened there, but I'm in agreement with Jerry that uh, there needs to be less gray area here. Uh, What Jerry's proposed seems very uh, realistic and doable, Um, and it would it would stop um, also intentional hitting of stones. that I think is the reason why this rule was put into effect in the first place.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a good point, Joe there that uh, there's been quite a bit of a call out there for, uh, for a change to the rule. And it was suggested that, uh, you know, a touchstone just comes off period, but you can't do that because you'll have teams burn stones on purpose when they're going to make a bad shot. And I've actually seen a team who uh, a, a very good team playing the game who has burned stones twice in front of my own eyes between the hog lines, they're playing a a hit or a run back and they know it's over curling. And they, they've certainly, they certainly have to have some sort of a, a call to crash the stone, knowing that it's going to wreck a guard they can't wreck. And, uh, you know, you'll get into that same situation if you change the, the rule to a hard fixed rule where the rock just comes off. So, you know, you got to come up with something that balances that out a little bit as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm of the belief that the certainly the gamesmanship, the sportsmanship, everything that makes curling special is what makes this game unique and one of the greatest, if not the greatest, on the planet. And it's generating incredible interest like it does every year. But I'm also a a guy that's pretty cut and dry. I'm, you know, hot or cold, there's not a whole lot of in-between with me. I mean, I either like something or I don't. And I think in this case, being just of the mind that I am, I kind of like to see it either way. You know, if a rock is burned, you pull it off. If it's, I mean, not clearly if it's not, I mean, it stays, but... I just think that that takes some of this ambiguity and some of these situations out that we've seen. And so I'm with you on that, Jerry. Um, All right. Let's get into the Russian doping right now, because (laughs) for a lot of reasons, I don't want to, you know, we're not going to take joy in this because this is never good for the sport. Although I do think indirectly this is helping generate publicity for the sport of curling. Which is good, obviously not for the right reasons, but it is good in putting curling more on the front pages, not just because of what Team USA and the men's or women's are doing, and not just because it's the Olympics, but you have a case that of doping, which is something that is unheard of, really. In the sport of curling is a one of the uh, Russian mixed doubles. Uh, uh, Jerry, if you if you have rush if your Russian is better than mine, please have at it. Test positive for what melodonium that uh, Maria Sharapova? It's a, a drug yep. for a heart condition that she tested positive was pulled off the uh, WTA for what six months. Basically, tested positive for that same thing. We haven't that I believe the second sample has not been tested yet. Your reaction to just the shocking, stunning news—it really seems to be rocking the Olympic curling competition.
3: Uh, actually, I believe that second sample has now been tested. It has, okay, and it it was confirmed as well. So it confirmed the A test, okay. And now they have started the process of uh, of the whole uh, doping control. Suppose it sounds like he's been charged with a violation, and he's he's been uh, he's turned in his accreditation and he's left the village. Yeah, you look at this situation and it's, and it's really disappointing, to be honest. And and this had there had to be something happen here that was an accident because, you know, the Russians know that they're going to be under a microscope. And this is not this doesn't seem like the type of drug that uh, that anybody's trying to mask or hide. And it's it's obvious that this is a problem mm-hmm. now that doesn't excuse uh Alexander Khrushchev from his from the violation at the end of the day you're still responsible for everything uh that that uh, you ingest as an athlete and and uh what one of the the, the story that he that he's come up with is that uh, uh one of uh, the athletes not going to the Olympics that he was training with in Japan has potentially spiked his uh water bottle or, or food or something and, you know, that's, that's, that would be really disappointing if that was the case, that somebody would stoop to that level to, to sabotage another athlete. But, uh, you know, you, you look at meldonium and, and the history of that drug, it's a, it's like a heart, uh, medication that, uh, that, uh, is prescribed for, you know, to, to kind of protect the heart. Yeah. Um, Russian athletes, a lot of Eastern European uh, countries would actually prescribe this to their athletes as as kind of preventative uh, maintenance. And one of the concerns was is that heavy training was hard on the heart. So what they would do is they would use this this drug as a, as you know as something to help with training and also to uh, to you know help uh, help the body, I guess. So yeah. you know this is not intentional cheating like you would with steroids. That's the first thing I think people need to to look at. The other part of the problem is that, uh, you know, it was so ingrained on the culture, you know, when Sharapova got uh, tested, you know, it's something that she would have been using for years. And, and you look at, uh, there was a bunch of things that happened post ban where, you know, you weren't really sure how long this drug stayed in the body. So they actually ended up pulling a, the men's the russian men's team from the world championships in basel in that uh, that 2016 year yeah and i have a feeling that the athletes probably tested positive for for something like meldonium prior to that event so they had to swap out and put another team in yeah and it was mostly because they'd been taking this and and you know the the withdrawal period is something that was unknown and 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 varied so yeah you know, yeah. so you know that that's not the case here for sure but uh it's something that ended up in his system and and uh, he's going to pay the consequences for it
1: joe if you would have told me alexander krushal from russia if you would have told me that he would be the first russian in this olympic games to test positive for a banned substance that it would be him in the sport of curling i would have looked at you that you like you were a fool But a second test, uh, I I have a hard time believing in the, you know, drink being spiked excuse because it's been used before. But I think in this case, obviously the second test was positive, but I don't think it does them any favors whatsoever. In a a lot of ways, there's no sympathy that I've got whatsoever for them because of the the state-backed cheating scheme and scandal that the Russians employed in the 2014 games. If there is any gray area, we've talked about gray area just a few minutes ago, there's no gray area you got to pull them out
2: yeah you know first of all I want to um, congratulate you on getting his name pronounced correctly that looked that that looked really <laughs> difficult and I'm proud of you for that well Jer- um, Jerry
1: had a little bit to do with that so I, I that was my first time at it Thank you mr. Gertz
2: I'm I'm not even going to try, but uh, secondly, I'm looking at the New York times article about, about this right now and yeah. just the reaction of other players and just, they seem a bit shocked by it as well. Um, they're, they're not necessarily talking about his character as much as they're just talking about like, why was this necessary? And um, it's interesting um, to sort of see that reaction is it, it, maybe not necessarily um, surprised about the situation, but just uh, you know, just a little bit surprised that it happens in curling, I guess, is is sort of what I'm what I'm reading here. Yeah, um, certainly, you know, the, the people who are involved with the with the Olympic athletes from Russia, they're they're denying all over the place. But uh You know, it's it'd be very unfortunate for Alexander, and again, I'm not going with the last name, but that if uh, if you if this was some sort of spiked uh, sample, um, but you you have to be responsible for what you're putting in your system, and that's just the way that it winds up. I'm surprised that they they didn't know this going in. I'm if it were my program, I'd be testing the athletes for the.
3: Well, that's the thing. He he was tested January twenty second, and. The test came back clean.
1: But let okay. l- let me say so, this. Let, hold on. Let me say this because I mean this is truth, and you guys probably know this. But in talking with a lot of these folks and, uh, and knowing a few of those guys that you sought up, the the testing has been so far behind. the The masking and the cheating has been years ahead. And we're not talking three and four and five years. We're talking ten to twenty years ahead. Of the testing, the way that countries uh, in programs have been able to mask uh, positive tests with, with different, uh, you know with different uh, chemicals and things, the, the testing now has caught up to the masking agents and the way teams have been able to cheat systematically before it's still not at that level. So to me, even though he tests uh, he's clean a month ago and this time he tests positive. I'm still not uh, I'm still not buying that this was, you know, a an isolated sabotage instance because of the way of the masking that the countries and scientists and coaches and athletes have been able to mask positive tests in the past.
3: Well, at the end of the day, had he had he been tested positive now, he should have been tested positive then, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you look at the, the science of technology behind doping and, and all that, it's. This is why they've got the 10-year rule now in place where samples will, you know, when they when they come up with new uh, ways to fight this, they'll go back and they'll test all the samples and, and find out if they find somebody who cheated in the past. And I think that's the biggest deterrent now is that if you, you know, if you end up uh, cheating and you've got 10 years to wait and see whether you're going to get away with it. Yeah. And there's a lot of repercussions post that you know things like endorsements and and money that you win and all that stuff will go away if you do get caught you're going to be responsible for that and you know it's something that Lance Armstrong faced post uh, you know following his mm-hmm. career where you know everybody who, who paid him and came chasing after him for their money and and you know I it's 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 tough to uh to fight it but at the end of the day I think what they're doing is is moving in the right direction. And this whole argument about the Russians shouldn't be there and all that stuff, I have a hard time punishing athletes who are playing clean mm-hmm. for the actions of an association who who, yeah. who cheating like crazy. And I think the decision that they made to allow athletes with a clean history to participate was probably the right uh, uh, compromise And at the end of the day, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to lose his medal and it's just, it's, it's going to be the same as any other athlete who tested positive. And, you know, I think there's one other athlete who, who tested positive this week. I can't remember what nationality they were, but, uh, so this is the second uh, case uh, so far.
1: In the New York Times story, Joe, I thought it was a a humorous quote, if you will, from Brett Lang, you know, from uh, the Canadian men's team when he was I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jerry, but we talked about uh, not sure how meldonium would enhance performance said, quote, outside of beer and Advil, that's the only painkillers I've ever heard of for curling. I imagine it wasn't that, hopefully not, or else I'd be in trouble. Um I'm sure that he's probably taking drinking some beer and some Advil because boy Brett Lang and Ben Hebert, they those guys got a workout today in that game against the US. They they did some awfully good broom
3: work. But that's that's another side. Um Yeah there's there's some speculation that Brent is in need of those uh those <laughs> painkillers these days because he's oh. he's actually been up his sweeping style yeah craig brown pointed it out to me and uh, a few days ago he asked me if i'd noticed or heard or he was hurt or whatever and and then mike and joan were talking about it on the broadcast last night mike uh, harris Joan uh-huh. mccusker on the cbc canada broadcast and uh you know you wonder if uh, brent lang has uh, got a bit of a shoulder or arm injury or something because he's, mm-hmm. he's changed up his uh lower hand and and, but yeah, you know, I, I think some of these comments are a little naive at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, that, you know, the more you can train, the more physical fitness that you can, you can add to your body and the more strength you can add, the better you're going to be as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I think it's disingenuous to our sport to make these kinds of jokes and, and, you know, we're seeing a ton of this in Canada. I don't yeah. think it's nearly as bad in the U S but sure. You know, our sport still suffers from some of these stereotypes yeah. in general in Canada. That, that, And it holds us back, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, one quick question, and, and it's a little bit of a larger picture uh, before we get out the door, because we do need to get out, uh, get out of here and everybody else. Uh, uh, it's been a really good discussion here, um, but we'll wrap it up here because I'm curious both your thoughts on uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia competing on the women's side. They have a pair of games left. They've got Canada, who they finish with, and I believe they've got Korea coming up. The athletes, the OAR team on the women's side, 2-5, and five, tied with Switzerland for eighth. What effect do you think this has on Masieva and her team? What effect do you think maybe this has on the Russians, you know, the OAR uh, delegation as a whole as this final week of the Olympics is now underway? If well, first occurred. of
3: all, they were, they were in line, you know, based on what's going on, to march under their own flag at the end in the closing ceremony. Mm-hmm. You know, that was part of the deal. And uh, if they followed the rules and were clean and played fair and all that stuff. So that certainly comes into question now. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to Moiseev's team, you know, all, 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 the, all the Russian athletes competing in curling were not a ra- really around When uh, all this stuff went down in Sochi Mm -hmm. now they're, they're both relatively new on the scene uh, as teams. So, you know, they're a team that I don't think would have been fair to, to penalize had they, uh, you know, had the country and all the athletes been banned in general. So hard to say what kind of, what kind of uh, effect it'll have, but the Russian women are, are on the outside looking in. So, at this point, they're sort of playing out the string, anyways, and you know, trying to gain some more experience.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Jerry's right in that respect. I mean, they're playing uh, Korea and then Canada. I mean, Korea's at the top of the standings, and then you know, Holman looking to to get herself in. I, I would suspect that. Those are both going to be losses, and we'll never know how it really affected them one way or the other because uh, those are games they're probably going to lose anyway.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Been uh, great stuff today. Jerry, appreciate uh, you taking some time away. You know, you got uh, your little win at home. Joe, the same situation as I am here, as uh, we are coming to you on President's Day, Monday, uh, the 19th. Uh, the final week uh, really the last few games around robin competition uh, wrapping up and then we 've got the playoffs it 's been you know it 's been a, some thrilling moments uh throughout the competition i can 't wait to see how this plays out. Certainly we're all in for team USA. Hope Nina and John can find a way in that top four and in the playoffs. But regardless, we will be coming back to you again here on the extra extra and podcast, probably another couple days as we get ready for those playoffs. But guys uh, uh, just appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate all the time. And uh, you know, this, uh, this really good discussion here on a lot of things that are going on uh, over in South Korea guys.
2: Hey, thanks so much price. Uh, Great work again.
1: All right, Jerry. Keep up the great work. Keep, Keep that Schuster uh, content rolling. (laughs) (laughs) we're having some fun we're having some fun All right, guys thanks for listening again you can listen to every episode you can go back to previous episodes on iTunes Apple Podcasts Stitcher uh, Blog Talk Radio and certainly you can get it t-e-s-n-dot-u-s-forward-slash-podcast write us uh, give us a review Uh, if you like what we do if you like the podcast uh, try and give it more visibility which will help by you giving it a review Uh, four or five stars preferably five and if you wanted to write a couple comments uh, we would really love to have those to know what you like what you don't like but certainly it helps everybody else find this podcast on apple Podcasts a lot easier so right there on your smartphone you just go and write a review we would really really appreciate it but uh for jerry gertz president and ceo of curling zone for joe calabrese i'm price atkinson appreciate everybody listening we'll talk to you here in a few days here on the extra, extra, extra podcast with the 12th and sports network powered by the jones
0: thanks for being with us on this edition of the extra extra in podcast with price atkinson follow price and the 12th in sports network crew on twitter and facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways and guests for upcoming episodes of the extra extra in podcast powered by isogenics the nba is back where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it. Down. Where else is your own city home to your biggest rival? The battle of the lake is real, people. And thirty feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT.